Hi guys, welcome back to another episode with So and Chloe. And this time, it's a very special episode because it's my birthday. <laughs> yes, it's her birthday. Sophia's 17, guys. Yeah, I'm so old. I'm like nearly an adult. Okay. One year away from being legal. Yeah. Um, and we did promise a very special feature of well, we didn't promise. We just suggested. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has hijacked Chloe's Gatorade. We don't know who. Yeah, guys. So, like, um, a lot of my shit has been jacked recently. And um, I'm convinced there's a ghost following me. There, we have no suspects. Whatsoever. Definitely not. So basically the Gatorade was under my bed and I went to have a shower and it was under my bed before I had a shower because I checked and then I came back from my shower ready to record this episode and I looked under my bed and it was not there. It was not there. (laughs) (laughs) It just vanished into thin air. So we're going to start this episode off with a little prayer obviously just to you know <laughs> um ghosts um, I, I don't know what I've done to like hurt the ghost but yeah please give me my um, shit back yeah and we, we know you're trying to we, we you mean well by taking away the Gatorade but um <laughs> yep we'd like it back thank you we did spend some money on it exactly like that shit was not cheap that wasn't cheap at all actually so please give it back exactly what the fuck and it i don't know i'm just so confused because it was there the gatorade was under my bed after i came back from work and before i went in the shower but somehow just magically disappeared after i came back from my shower yeah. and no one went in my room for that yeah no one went in my room so i'm extra confused exactly so we'll save the gatorade for another episode and i have mine here and I could drink it, but Chloe's gonna end up having a very difficult episode. <laughs> <laughs> Try to keep up. <laughs> okay. So today's episode will be on true crime, and we love true crime, don't we? As a topic. Who doesn't love true crime? Yeah, it's it's interesting, and it's fascinating. Obviously, it's also very sad, um, and. So we're, I'm going to actually start this episode off with a sober message in that we, <laughs> even though we're like telling these stories and of these victims and um, we don't intend to dishonor their memory in any way, you know, we don't intend to sensationalize the crimes of these murderers. Um, but in saying that, we still think it's an interesting topic to talk about and so, everything that we say is stuff that we've read on the internet yeah not our um not imaginations our, yeah like not, no definitely not, oh we're not creative for that yeah we're not we're definitely not creative enough but maybe after um the ghosts come and attack me maybe we will get creative but anyways yeah <laughs> that's besides the point and we have our own cases, don't we? That we don't, that we haven't covered 
with each other. So, yeah. so it's a surprise for everyone. Yeah. Okay. And who's throwing off me? Okay. Yeah, you can kick us off. Birthday girl. Alright. So, this case is a very sad case. It's like, it's heartbreaking. And it's actually, um, there is a documentary called Dear Zachary, A Letter to His Son About His Father, which is based on the case. And it was, um, it was made by Kurt Kewen, if that's how you pronounce his name. And he was a close friend of, um, the father referred to in the title. But um, this story starts when probably in the 90s or um, early 90s. And so Kurt and his friend Andrew Bagby grew up in the suburbs of San Jose, California. And Andrew um, appeared in his home movies quite a lot. So Kurt was always into directing and filmmaking throughout his life and Bagby was Andrew sorry was heavily involved in that Um, but eventually Andrew became a doctor and Kurt became a sort of I guess um, sort of freelance filmmaker Um, what else okay so this is a little context Um, while he was studying in Canada actually Andrew uh, met someone named Shirley Turner, who was a divorcee, and he she was a she was, she was a general practitioner, so a kind of doctor as well. But she was also thirteen years his senior, so she was thirteen years older than him. So a big age gap there, and a lot of parents, uh, a lot of parents, a lot of um, Andrew's friends and associates, and his own parents were kind of concerned about the relationship um not just because of the age difference but because turner shirley she was very odd she was wait what was the age difference again 13 years so oh shit yeah so they were they were sus of this new girlfriend in andrew's life um and eventually she moved to iowa while um Andrew stayed as a resident in a family practice in Pennsylvania. Um, By November 2001, their relationship sort of began to deteriorate and Shirley became increasingly possessive. So eventually Andrew broke up with her and he sent her to, to Iowa. But this is where the story gets oh no I'm scared very sad um very sad and very um um sort of unsettling because wait so they're broken up here at this yeah point. at this point by 2001 and Shirley she drives 1,000 miles back to Pennsylvania where Andrew is um, practicing as a doctor and she asked him to meet at Keystone State Park which is a, as a an well-known park there and the following day Andrew was found dead 
face down with five gunshot wounds to his body. Um, eventually, obviously, Shirley became a suspect and she fled all the way to Canada in St. John's, Newfoundland. And so, um, in the meantime, uh, Kurt, our filmmaker, and the person who would eventually make the documentary, began collecting footage, home movies, and interviewed Andrew's parents, David and Kathleen, for a documentary um, in honor of his friend, his close friend. So, very touching move on his part. But... All the while, while that was happening, he was planning all this, the legal side of things in relation to um, Andrew's murder was becoming really um, kind of complicated. So It's pretty obvious who murdered him. Yeah. So, um, So she fled to Canada and because it's a separate country um they needed to find a way of getting justice for andrew by bringing her back to the u.s um unfortunately well unfortunately but also like fortunately for and like she's pregnant she reveals she's pregnant with, with his baby. With his baby. With <gasps> Andrew's baby. So there is no way that he killed the father of her. That she killed the father of her baby. What the fuck? Yeah. So she, yeah, she's just. She, this is. So obviously, she is a clearly mentally ill, very unfit mother already, um, and. David and Andrew's parents are trying to get um, um, Shirley back to the US so she can be put on trial there. Um, but Shirley's lawyer, she's late the trial, the process of bringing her back. Um, and obviously, she's pregnant. So that adds that extra complication there. Uh, a provincial court ruled that there was enough evidence to suggest that Shirley was not um, was sorry was Andrew's killer, and she was put in jail. And they were the grandparents, Dave and Kathleen, were awarded custody of Shirley and Andrew's child. So once he was born, his name he was named Zachary. Um, as referred to in the title of the documentary so our filmmaker in the meantime Kurt he travels across the US and he interviews um, oh and the UK sorry to interview Bagby's sorry Andrew's friends and extended family and then eventually he actually to Canada and meets Zachary for the first time in July 2003 uh, so Shirley, while she's in jail, uh, she appealed her arrest and her imprisonment, and a judge, Gail Welsh, 
uh, actually released her on bail because she felt that she did that Shirley didn't pose a threat to society. So the so already. Oh my god! You can oh kind of get the sense that the law is really failing them in the sense. So there's a lot of legal technicalities that they they have to overcome to get this justice, right?、Um, and in the in the documentary, when you're watching it, I recommend you guys actually watch this because it's a really heartbreaking case, and it, it's really just a clear example of. How things can go wrong, and how justice—you know—we, you know, we most of us thinking that we'll always get some sort of punishment for our crimes, or that we're protected. But this is really not an example of where that happens.、Um, so, like I said, she was released on bail. Shirley was released on. She actually was granted of Zachary. Oh my、um, god! Oh my god! And so, the in the film, in the documentary, sorry, they there are t- times when she, when um, when Kurt films Shirley and Zachary playing together, and and you know. And the actual arrangement of that custody, those custody terms, obviously, is tense. You know, you have these grandparents who have a memory of their son, and then they have to be faced with their son's killer every few weeks, and then they see her playing with their their. That's so fucking messed up. It's it's. It's insane, and so,、um, and so they were trying to fight this, this joint custody term, but it will. It was eventually too late.、Um, come August two thousand three, while Zachary is staying with his mother, she suddenly disappears, and as they are. Frantically looking for her and Zachary, she jumps into the Atlantic Ocean with Zachary in her arms. What the? F- I was not expecting you to say that. They find her body <gasps> and Zachary's body、um, soon after. How old was Zachary? Barely. Two years old. Oh my god! So, very thirteen. Well, thirteen months actually. Thirteen-month-old Zachary died in his mother's arms, in the arms of his father's killer, and clearly, his grandparents were devastated. And、um, Kurt, the film, our filmmaker, he tried to the prosecutors and judges involved in、um, letting Shirley go free, but obviously he was rejected.、Um, at the time, actually, David and Kathleen, you know, they're 
devastated. They've they've lost their son, and then they've lost the only memory of their son, Zachary. And actually, they were contemplating um, taking their own lives. But instead, what they did was actually uh, launch a campaign to change the country's laws. So in this case, the law really failed them. You know, they let a murderer go free. They let a clearly unfit mother take custody of her child. And they took away a son and a grandson. To think that if they just kept her in prison, none of that would have happened. Exactly. Like, her son would still be alive right now. Yeah. And and so, um, the Ministry of Justice in Newfoundland um, arranged a panel who eventually found that Zachary's death was indeed preventable and that the way the government actually handled Andrew's case was in, inadequate to say the least it really was just a complete failure it was just you know how how did things go so wrong right um, and it was actually found that the person who had diagnosed Shirley um, had misdiagnosed her and there was she was found guilty of misconduct um, the director of the child welfare agency in Newfoundland resigned and the grand Zachary Andrew's father to write a best-selling book about his family's experiences and Kurt would finish this memory of what was originally his close friend growing up and now his son who had he had met only a couple times oh my god that's so sad it is oh it's just so it's it's deplorable it's um it's heartbreaking and i would absolutely recommend that you watch the documentary because it's not only just the case itself uh, but the way it's edited it's just and the way it's made it, you know it, it really is an emotional well thought out piece and you can tell that this is a personal story this is a letter to Zachary and his father so that's that case it's called Dear Zachary on YouTube by the way if you want to watch yeah. it so it's only I believe night I want to one and a half hours 90 minutes long but it's worth it yeah I haven't actually watched it though so yeah I've watched a Uh, bit of it the start yeah so that's my case that was I think I'm gonna talk about the Lululemon murders Oh, I've heard of this one actually, but I've n- I've never it's it threw me off because when I think of Lululemon, I think of the leggings. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's the, that's the whole thing, bro. That's the whole like. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wait, do you actually know what happened in the case? No, I, I don't. Oh my god, you're going to be so shocked. Like, it's the biggest plot twist. Okay. When I was reading about it, I was like, oh my god. Okay, so it happened in 2011. So there were two Lululemon employees. One was called Jaina and Brittany. And they were on clothes um, for the store that night, yeah? yeah. And um, so, like, obviously, like, in clothes, you have to, like, make sure the lights are turned off and then, like, the doors are locked and everything. Mm-hmm. And after that, you leave. It's, like, normal. Um, but then after they did all that, after the two um, girls did the clothes, um, what was it? Um, Brittany, she realised that she left her wallet inside the store. But she didn't have a car to drive back and get it. So she called Jaina, which was the girl that she did the clothes with, yep. to come and pick her up and get her wallet because she had the key as well. Yeah. So they did that. And then this is what Brittany said. She said that when the her and Jaina entered the store again to get her wallet, two masked men, one tall and one short, they snuck in the door behind them when they were opening it. And what happened next is that Jaina was murdered and Brittany was sexually assaulted. But, like, the circumstances of everything that happened is so shocking. Like, you won't believe it. Oh. So, like, obviously, after they hear that, the yep. police um, the police are going to be out looking for these two masked men that Brittany saw, right? Yeah. Right, so what actually happened, I'll just, I'll just tell you. Um, okay, so this, like, so they didn't actually find the crime scene until the night, until the day after, because um, next to the Lululemon store, there was an Apple store. They were releasing a new iPad, so there were obviously, like, a long line and everything, people yeah. waiting for the iPad. Um, so there were security guards and everything, and... Um, I'm just, like, reading this article right now. Mm. But, okay, so it says that on around 8.30 that day with the Apple releasing and stuff. So it says a female jogger and a male shopper walk through Lululemon and they find, like, the furniture, like, the furniture, like, moves around everywhere, thrown around everywhere. There was blood on the floor. There was a clump of blonde hair and multiple blood splashes covering the walls oh and so this man like not a police officer or anything just a guy that has witnessed like seen the crime scene um he pushes the door like he pushes the door leading leading to the back area yep and um but something big is like blocking him from opening the door fully and he looks behind it and he sees Jaina's body there <gasps> just behind the door in the back area she's oh my god she was murdered and she was lying in a pool of her own blood and she was injured to the point where her face was unrecognisable oh my god I know and then like after her autopsy and everything they found that there were at least five different weapons used on Jaina holy and, shit and 331 separate wounds sorry it's separate three yeah 331 separate yeah so they have 
um, at the crime scene that have Jaina's body. And then around the corner, Brittany is still alive. She was so she was actually found inside a cupboard because the person heard like moving and stuff coming from the cupboard. It's like like very subtle, obviously, because she's been injured as well. So she can't like yeah. So they open the cupboard and they find her there, barely alive. And Brittany is also covered in like lots of different wounds and there's a massive gash on her head and she's calling out for help and she's still alive like they they rush her to hospital and everything and she made it she's still alive yeah but um jana didn't make it but britney did and obviously they they're going to use britney as like a witness because you know she's the one who's seen the two masked men come and jump her right yeah so it says that the police use her testimony to piece together the brutal events that happened inside the store. So basically what happened was um you're going to be very shocked. So remember at the start how I told you that Brittany said that there were two masked men that approached them from behind when they were walking to the store. Yeah, did they find them? No, so they were looking everywhere for them. They were looking at camera footage to see what masked men, like, because she, Brittany described them as one was tall and one was short. Yeah. And they actually found on camera footage there were two men that were wearing all black and they were walking past the lemon store roughly the time that they think that the attacks happened. Yeah. And one was tall, yeah, one was tall and one was short. They were wearing all black. And so, um, the police went out looking for this men for these men because they're obviously the, like the murderers, right? Mm. So the police find them, but they're just two employees that work at this like restaurant, and they were actually just returning back from their shift. Like they were wearing their restaurant uniforms and everything, and they had alibis to support yeah. that. And like, so it wasn't them. Like they had alibis and everything. So then the police are like, "What the fuck do we do now? Like we thought we had our." Suspects. We thought we had our murderers because yeah. that's what Brittany said, yeah? So what actually happened was Brittany was the murderer. She was the one she was the one that staged this whole attack and made it look like what? she made a whole story saying, oh, two masked men attacked me because she wanted to cover up for her own murder. She murdered Jaina and she like, she injured herself to make it look like she was also attacked why because what? what happened was um so Brittany had Brittany has a history of stealing yep. at Lululemon and what happened that night that they had clothes Jaina actually caught Brittany trying to steal a pair of leggings and yep. Jaina confronted Brittany and then Brittany got mad and then started attacking her and then it led to that I know. Oh my god. And no security cameras barely in the store. No. I don't think so. Wait. And also like how would how did they What's fucked up is that the whole thing could have been prevented like Jaina could have still been alive because 
when this whole ordeal was happening, obviously it's not going to be quiet. Like, yeah. Jaina is literally getting attacked. And you know how, remember how I told you that there's this Apple store next to it? Yeah. So one of the security guards in the Apple store um, heard, like, a voice screaming, like, this is, quote, talk to me, don't do this, what is going on? Yeah. And then the voice that was yelling, which is Jaina's voice because she's getting murdered, she it eventually fades out because she's getting weaker and weaker. And she says, God, help me, please help me. And the security guard didn't oh do anything my God. about it. He just left it. He heard it, but he just left it. Imagine what would have happened if he walked inside the Blue Lemon store to see what was happening and to see Jaina getting attacked. He could have prevented it. Oh That's my what, yeah. God. I know. It's so, it's so sad. Oh my god. I did not expect that. Me neither. When I was reading it, I was like, there's no way no, that her own co-worker would have done that to her. And also, the the lens to to which she went to to cover up her murder like exactly locking herself in the cupboard making this whole story and also the evidence of her getting sexually assaulted what could have you have done like she made up this whole fiasco thinking that the police were going to believe her and they did at the start until the whole masked men story fell apart and like, what's even more sad is that Jaina wasn't even meant to be working that night. She was just filling in for another manager. So if she didn't work that night, if she didn't have to fill in for that shift, she would probably still be alive. Because the only reason that Brittany did it was because Jaina caught her stealing and confronted her. See, this must be scared because like... Because we, we work together. And, yeah. And, like, could you imagine? Luckily, we have cameras at our... Um, at our store, don't we? Yeah, we do. And there was usually a couple people, even when it's, like, late at night, um, to prevent things from happening. But still... Oh, my God. Like, the length you would go to... To literally murder someone that brutally just because they caught you stealing. I could not imagine that happening. 331 injuries. With Obviously what? she like... And where? Enjoyed like, the torture. Literally. Yeah. Because she could have ended it like quickly. But she wanted to make Jaina suffer. So she like prolonged the attack. Exactly. She's so and fucking then- sad. And, like, where on the body could you have found 330 places to stab someone? Exactly. That is a lot of space. To the point where she was unrecognisable. Oh my god. And it says that at the crime scene, police found several everyday items covered in Jaina's blood, including a red toolbox that the staff uh, used labelled everyday tools. So... Brittany used stuff that was inside the store to murder her. So it wasn't like a it wasn't like a premeditated attack. 
Like she didn't yeah. bring a knife into work knowing that she was going to murder her. Like it was in the moment, but still. Oh my god, I have crime scene photos up right now. Yeah. From this case, and oh my. Yeah. So she would have found anything to, to literally. And, um, yep, it says that Brittany also cut Jaina's pants open to make it look like she had been sexually assaulted, which she hasn't, which she didn't, I mean, but they, but she wanted to make it look like that so that it would, um, like support her fake story, right? Yeah. Of men attacking her. Wow. Yeah. And her yeah, her murder was so brutal. Like, you know how sometimes at funerals they have an open casket so people can see their yeah. loved ones for the last time? Yep, her mur- her murder was so brutal that they could not have an open casket ceremony. Like it was not a possibility. Because she was so that... brutally attacked that they couldn't even recognize her. I don't even know what to say about that. Cause could you imagine losing your child and then you can't even see their face for the last time? And the, the last yeah. time that you do see their face, you probably can't even recognize them. And losing them in that way as well. Yeah. Like that she was just doing her everyday thing, going to work, filling in for a shift. And like doing what a normal person would do. Like, oh, why are you stealing? And then that happens to her. You know what? Um, Brittany even she wanted to she wanted to like cover up her crime so bad that she bought like size fourteen shoes, which is obviously massive. And like, what girl would have size fourteen feet? And she like put it in Jane's blood and made like footsteps around the store to yeah. make it look like like all oh, this big man came and walked around the store and did all of this to try to cover it up that it was actually her. Like, she's, she's doing everything that she can to throw police off. But they can obviously see through her. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I know, it's so sad. If you guys want to watch a video on it, there's um, a video on YouTube. It's by Eleanor Neal. It's called The Lululemon Murders, so you guys can watch that. It's a really good video. That is insane. It's just crazy what goes through murderers' minds. Like, what makes them want to actually kill someone to go that far? And over, what, a pair of leggings? Exactly. Over a freaking pair of leggings. To do all of that over a pair of leggings. Like, are you serious? I just don't understand. Wow, where do we even move on from this? I don't even know. Um, do you have another case? Oh, I might. We. Wow. Have you heard of the Elisa Lamb case? Yes, I have actually. Yeah. That one. Do you want to explain that one together? Yeah. Okay. okay. We'll have 
no Sophia. Um, apologies for not being as prepared because I did not expect this to. Wow. Okay, because we were we were actually planning. Our original plan was actually um, telling stories, and then we'd move on to something lighter. But obviously, we can't do that without my Gatorade, guys. Yeah, because the freaking ghost ejected. It. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay, let's explain the Elisa Lamb case. Do you have it up right now? Yeah, I have it up. Okay. Do you want to start off? Okay. So, Elisa Lamb, she was a student at the University of British Columbia, um, which is in Canada. In, um, in Van- Oh, wait, sorry. Um, yeah, it's in, it's in Canada. But she wasn't registered until 2013. Took a trip to California and eventually arrived in Los Angeles where she checked into the Cecil Hotel. And she's 21, by the way. 21. And she's, she's young. She's, you know, she's a college student at this point. Um, and she traveled alone. Um, yeah, she traveled alone. So she didn't have really company who would have immediately notified someone of her disappearance. So, um, as she, so she checks into the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles and she assigned a shared room on the fifth floor but um but her roommates actually actually reported of her odd behavior and two days like later in the nights leading up to her murder as well yeah or death i don't know so we don't she, know yeah. so she was she so she was moved to her room to her own room only two days after she checks in. Um, and the Cecil Hotel itself actually is very notorious for... Shady um, shit? Yes, yeah, shady shit, yep. to say the least. It has a very dark past. You know, not only are there ghost stories behind it, but there are there have, there have been suicides there. There have been um, very notorious serial killers... Uh, Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker, was known to stay there. So already, not the best circumstances for Elisa. Um, Do you want me to explain how they actually found her? Yeah. Okay, so basically, like, um, people that were staying in the hotel were complaining that the water, like the running water, tap water, was kind of like black and yeah they reported that so then obviously the hotel people they went to check the water tanks to see why the water was doing that and when they checked the water tanks they found 
the naked body of Elisa Lam inside one of the water tanks. And that was the reason why the water was turning black. And they found her body 19 days after she was first reported as missing. So obviously at this point, her body was like decomposing. Yeah. Um, but I the other reason why Elisa's case is so notorious is because there's actually a very famous video online where she is looking very suspicious in an elevator. Um, she looks so, kind of like she's possessed. Yeah. She has, so she's... If you watch the video online, if you search up Lisa Lamb, it's... You know, like, there are so many copies of it. Um, and then... And then... So she... In the... It's, the video goes for approximately two and a half minutes, and she she makes unusual moves and gestures, and... This is inside the elevator, by the way. Yeah, she doesn't move. She hasn't pressed any buttons, but she... Um, even while the door remains open, she... She... She kind of, like, hides in the corner. She hides in the corner. Yeah, like, she's hiding from someone, but someone. there's no one outside. And she looks outside, and she... Um, Actually, she does press some buttons, and she, but she doesn't move. She yes. just, she stays in the corner, and um, with all the attention that it actually garnered, people found it unsettling. There is this girl who is um, acting very suspiciously on camera the details behind her case her death it is extra unsettling and there is a lot of theories around it actually because people like yeah it hasn't been specified whether it's a murder or it was a suicide like lots of people believe different things they think Um, that she voluntarily climbed inside the water tank and drowned herself but other people think that someone else was like um like luring her out which is why she was kind of like looking out for someone when she was in the elevator like peeking yeah. out trying to see if anyone was there following her exactly so, yeah. so she was in her um when she in her and in the lead up to her death she actually was contacting her parents every day while she was in canada and february 2013 she was due to check out of the Cecil Hotel and leave for Santa Cruz, but she did not remain in contact with her parents. And so they called the Los Angeles Police Department and her family flew over to help with the search. So one of, um, so she, obviously she traveled alone and apparently she made very little contact with other people. Uh, outside of the hotel, there was one manager of a nearby bookstore who was the only person who recalled actually seeing her when she went missing. She's, um, she said, quote, that Elisa was outgoing, very lively, very friendly. And she was actually planning to get gifts for her family and was talking about um, whether or not it would be too heavy to for her to carry it around. So obviously, she's a traveler. She has 
an intention to get back home and suddenly she's gone missing the one of the sergeants police sergeants involved in the case said that they did not search every room but they had searched Elisa's room and went to the rooftop but they did not detect her scent obviously because she was in at the time in that um in that water tank. tank the water tank so eventually she was found 19 days later from when she was due to leave um in one of the tanks on the roof and she was lying face up in the water um the coroner ruled that she had died of accidental drowning with her bipolar disorder as a contributing factor to her death um there's actually um, oh okay so there was no evidence of physical trauma on her um on her body no signs of sexual assault or any intention to commit suicide uh they did her toxicology reports showed that she had some prescription medicine in her um in her body but it's stuff like ibuprofen you know stuff you can get over the counter and no recreational drugs very small quantity of alcohol so already this is someone who did not intend to die and there's actually a theory there's multiple theories on this there's a theory saying that she died by suicide because they said that she had a tumblr blog thingy where she would like she would like document her struggles with anxiety and depression on there but none of her posts suggested that she ever wanted to wanted to end her own life And what you said about her wanting to buy gifts for her family, right? Mm. That doesn't that doesn't sound like someone who is planning to die. Exactly. And yeah, obviously there's a theory that she was murdered. Even though there was no evidence of foul play. But like the unusual behaviour in the elevator where like she she looked like she was scared that she was being followed. And then also with her body being found naked, that's that's very sus. And um, the wait, the water tank that she was found in, the lid was closed. Yeah. And it says that it would be impossible for her to do that if she had climbed into the into the tank herself. So yeah. how could she commit suicide? And then close the tank when it's not possible, like close the lid. Yeah. So um. Yeah, so there was a video actually who showed how Elisa could have gotten to the hotel's roof because, mind you, there is a a lot of security to go to the actual roof. Um, There are passcodes and keys, and then there are alarms. So she probably accessed it through the fire escape. And at the time of her death, there were two lids that were actually open with the water tanks. So she... But there is... It's still very hard to 
get into those tanks. Um, at the time of her death, when her body was found, the lid was actually open. And so um, that kind of answered the question of how she could have closed it from the inside. It, she really didn't. It was open. Um, but the real mystery behind her death is really what happened in the lead up to her being found in the water tank why was she acting so suspiciously in the video you know um there are actually theories that it's the aliens were involved i definitely don't think it's a suicide um yeah like from the way that she was acting in the videos i just think there's no way that she could have climbed into the the, like climbed into the water tank herself and closed the lid herself when she was acting like that in the videos exactly yeah. Do you that, have anything else you want to add? Um. Honestly, not. I don't like. I. You can't say anything else apart from the fact that. I. I hope that she's somewhere, and she's peaceful. Because obviously her death was not. And the, the the time in her last moments hadn't been. And the way that she was found as well. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk about these things and we, we think, you know, like, this could never happen to us. And, you know. You never know. Like, but you really never know. Have you heard of the Slenderman case? I think I have. I think. Okay. So, I don't know like the full story or anything, but yeah, explain. The Slenderman case actually really frightened me when I. Is this the one involving three girls? Yeah. So this yeah, is. I know. I think. Yeah. Um, if you guys, if you obviously, um, anyone watching right now, if you were ten years old in 2014 um and you know pastas were super popular at the time and one of these legends was the fictional character Slenderman so if you don't if you guys don't know he is a very tall man um you know he has Can a white very face no, yeah very scary tall man in a in a black suit black tie suit um no face bald you know really scary and he actually originated from um he's the creation of a man called eric nudson so he nudson actually entered a competition in where um the person someone asked them to photoshop these pictures depicting some sort of scary creature and um, from now on from then on so everyone just started making up these stories of um, the legend of Slenderman just came about and you know kids like including myself we found that extremely scary you know there's this like it's just like we grew up with like monsters and stuff you know 
and we're and kids goes, like yeah. you don't you don't know any better than to exactly. believe a fictional character um and then you know there's and it's not just slender man you know you guys hear of jeff the killer and you hear of all these creepy pastors growing up um it, it just really scares you as a kid so when i heard this story i was like oh my god does slender man exist and now i think these girls were insane um so sh- the whole myth of slender man is he can cause apparently amnesia coughing paranoid behavior and he's often seen in forests and oddly enough this incident took place in david's park which is in wisconsin um and it's a wooded area there are three girls involved in this case anisa wire morgan geyser and they're both 12 years old yeah 12 years old and Peyton um Peyton Luke so she and Peyton is our victim so these three girls uh were playing a game of hide and seek and Lisa and Morgan actually invited Peyton and to as a, a sleepover and they decided to play hide and seek and they played in David's park in that wooded area. Eventually, it came. Um, it came to them, Anissa and Morgan, attacking Peyton, and they stabbed her 19 times in the arms, legs, and torso with a 13 centimeter blade. So- and they did that because they think they thought that that would like summon Slenderman. Yeah. So they did it. As an act of sacrifice to Slenderman, which is insane, because why would you? They truly believed in this fictional character. Yeah. So she, um, Peyton actually survived the incident. Um, so she had, she endured two wounds to her major organs, major organs, one to her heart, and she narrowly missed major artery of her heart by less than a millimeter and um, another one cut into her liver and her stomach but um, she did not die. She was eventually found by cyclists and um, she was taken to the hospital. Um, I think because she like crawled like um, yeah, so that she could be seen from the road so that she could get someone to call for help because she couldn't just lay there in the woods and just continue bleeding. So she dragged herself to a nearby road where she was found by the cyclist. Meanwhile, our perpetrators, they actually ended up at a furniture store after walking. Just walking off, you know, casually stabbing your friend, then walked off five miles to the nearest furniture store. Yep, acting like nothing happened. Yep, and then they were eventually arrested. The knife that they used... The audacity they had, they still had in their bags. Um, yeah. So apparently, all, all the two of them, Anissa actually did feel guilty, but Morgan absolutely had no 
consciousness for our actions you know yeah whatever i stabbed my friend that kind of thing um but both of them very much believed that this was a way of appeasing slender man and believing that you know if we sacrificed our friend we won't get killed by slender man that kind of thing and this is a quote from morgan herself in the police interview after they found out that she was one of the girls who stabbed her so-called best friend she said um so the the interviewer asked her wait let me let me play this it's a video um did you feel bad that you stabbed one of your best friends the detective asked her that and she said morgan said i thought about it but then i decided that remorse would get me nowhere it's easier to live without regrets that was something else so she's basically saying i don't regret stabbing and nearly murdering my best friend because i want to live life without regrets like yeah and she's 12. oh okay oh see how uh, i don't know i can like see that's the thing like we uh, oh that someone's done a murder how do you know like that they won't kill you the next day exactly how do you, you know you're working you literally never know yeah so, you don't know what yeah. goes through someone's heads when they're in, like, not the right mindset, I guess. Exactly. So this was this occurred May 31, 2014. Four years later, um, Anissa actually pleaded guilty to being involved in attempted second-degree homicide. So that is, um, I think, here. Attempted murder, but um, second-degree murder... I believe let me clarify this so here it works a little differently um when you're in court don't ask to plead guilty to first degree murder doesn't work lightly so um here it is we have something called malice of forethought when um you're getting charged for murder murder so it's basically your intent to murder someone that is basically what makes you guilty so we have something called we have two terms in proving um someone being guilty of a crime that is actus reus and mens rea actus reus being the actual act of murdering someone and then mens rea the guilty mind the actual intent of murdering someone or committing a crime um second degree murder is intentional murder but it's not premeditated uh so but this was premeditated yeah i nearly coughed continue (laughs) second degree homicide so if it's second degree murder they just thought oh we're playing hide and seek might as well you know stab her while we're at it they literally bought knives it was premeditated yeah, <laughs> I don't know how they came to that conclusion. You don't just but... casually carry knives when you're playing hide and seek, do you? Yeah, let's no normal person would do that. Yeah, let's just agree that we're glad Peyton actually survived the stabbing. But <laughs> Morgan, on the other hand, was like, nope. You know, she didn't plead guilty, really. But the jury actually found her not guilty by. Um, on grounds of mental illness. And that's what a lot of murderers do. Yeah. They plead guilty from mental illness, saying that it was their mental state. 
that made them do that? It, it across, um, I think the U.S. Uh, really depends on the U.S. But like most anywhere, if you plead guilty, you just get you get a lesser sentence. Sometimes you can be actually deemed unfit to stand trial if you're severely mentally ill. Um, so she was Morgan actually was sent to um, she was in wait sorry she she was accepted a plea offer um, in which she would go to trial and she would be placed in a mental hospital instead um, but she pleaded she pleaded guilty and was diagnosed with schizophrenia from which her father also suffers so she was um so she was given eventually the maximum sentence, which is 40 years to life. And um, yeah, so and then so she was and then obviously with conditions that she stayed in a psychiatric hospital of some sort. Um, meanwhile, our other murderer and well, perpetrator, she was sentenced to 25 years to life. Um, obviously i guess since she was just 12. a second party you know and then she was, as she was actually yeah um but yeah um and there are actually still videos of Peyton online getting interviewed following the stabbing and it's amazing how she just can live on so happily and she's she, i remember watching one video of her and she she's telling the story but she she's she seems um stronger than ever really um but yeah so that's a really, really interesting calls, case yeah it really calls into question actually there was debate on it on how the internet actually affected children obviously we're really gullible People. And as 12-year-olds, they would, I don't know, like, they really believed in Slenderman, didn't they? Yeah. That they went that far to summon him. My- like, have you heard of the Kanika Jenkins case? That one, I've not heard of at all. Not even. Really? Yeah. Not, not even not, the name? Not even. In, I wouldn't know how to spell it. Okay, maybe we'll, I'll finish off telling the Kanika Jenkins case. Okay. Okay, so... Basically, she was 19 year- years old. And I'll just... like So she was a 19-year-old girl. And she was found dead inside of a freezer at the hotel that she was staying there. What the fuck? And I'm not talking like... Like, I'm not talking like... She was she was found inside like a house freezer, like you know the one that we have at work. Oh my god! Like no. one of those, like a latched freezer. That's what they call it, and it was inside a hotel. And basically, there's lots of like, um, what would you call it? Like controversy, controversy surrounding this case because people don't know whether she committed suicide. Like she walked inside the freezer and locked herself in there and froze to death or if someone um like lured her inside there because what happened was she was actually very 
drunk. She was very intoxicated. Yeah. Before her death, like leading up to her death, because like during the investigation, they were looking through camera footage to see which way she walked, how she ended up in there, like hotel camera footage, obviously. And the hotel camera footage caught her like stumbling around. She couldn't even walk straight. She was holding onto the walls and everything. And then what's actually really annoying is that it cuts off, like the camera cuts off just before the door of the freezer. And there are no cameras inside the freezer? No. And they couldn't, the cameras didn't catch anyone suspicious except for Kanika. Like she was the only one pictured in the cameras. So, um, that's why people don't believe that her death was accidental because she was so intoxicated that there was no way she could have had the strength to open that freezer door and walk inside there herself. But also, did she voluntarily take these, um, the drugs? Um, she was just... It says that she was coming home from a party, so she was very drunk. Yeah. Oh my god. But that's like, that's basically like a really quick summary of the case. But if you search it up, it's really interesting because it says that the autopsy, they didn't find any illegal drugs in her system. So it was just alcohol. Oh my god. And her parents and everything, her family have been fighting hard to get justice for her because they the court actually ruled her death as an accident even though her parents like firmly believe in her sister firmly believe that someone murdered her because they were like they were like there's no way she could have been stumbling around like that and then opened the freezer closed it and just died in there like there is no way and that's completely understandable as well yeah because a latch door, um, even the door we have at work, actually, it's not that, it's it's not easy to open, I wouldn't say, you know, um, like. It's not, like, sometimes when you're yeah. holding a box in one hand, you have to get another person to open the door for you, so you yeah. can go walk inside. And it's for good reason, it's to keep the cold in. And yeah. if it's a latch freezer, that is not easy to open. And that, like, that's just the the freezer for our work, like, just work, let alone yeah. a hotel, where they have to keep, like, whatever, food for, like, everyone living there, staying there. Yeah. It'll Let be me just so much bigger. search up what a la- oh my god, a latched freezer looks like. And you can search up the um, security camera footage of the moments leading up to her death as well. Yeah. So, a latch freezer also, it's not just, like, you know, a simple, let's open the door. It's locked, you know, it's a lock locking system for reason to really tightly make sure that the door is closed. So, for someone to be intoxicated and then have access to that easily. Um, oh my god. Oh my god. Wow. So she basically, she just walked into the hotel kitchen, opened the freezer, and then just, like, died from hypothermia in there. And she had no way of getting out. Because, oh my god. 
I really do believe that someone was like luring her though. Like she was so drunk from the videos. And the the this, the footage it just cuts off there. Like no one else can see that. No. Yeah. Um and like also someone could have easily like just stood against the door and not let her out. Exactly. We don't know that. That's what's so annoying about the camera footage. Like it literally cuts out. If she can get in, she can also get out. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like. I guess there is like a security to it. You know, if you can, if it has a latch system, it's meant to keep the cold inside. But like, if it's also a latch system, you should be able to get out. Like you're not staying in the freezer. No one should be staying in the freezer. Exactly. So there must have been some fault, faulting like faulty system there or someone was just against the door I'm I mean like think about it at our workplace the thing is like freezers they don't close they don't open inside they open from the outside obviously like same with work if someone just stood against the door we'd have a big problem ring that mm-hmm. doorbell letting them know get the fuck out of my way you know exactly and what's also weird is that the so it says that the um the kitchen was actually under renovation, but the freezer was still running. But it, yeah, it was actually dark inside the freezer. There were no lights in there. That is a horrible way to go. Exactly because why would a drunk person open a freezer door, see that it's dark, and just walk in and close the door behind them? Exactly. Um, so it says that she was actually found so she was found lying on the floor her hair was messy and she had one shoe off see and, like yeah there was no yeah. foul play suspected there was no foul play suspected um yeah, and the yeah. autopsy says that she died from hypothermia yeah the thing is though like when you're when you're cold and you're suffering actually hypothermia a lot of people think it's like, like, obviously you are freezing, but it's more actually your body reacts to it so badly that you actually start burning up. Mm-hmm. And you think that you're hot, so you start taking your clothes off. Yeah. So, when you're actually cold. Yeah. So when she's drunk in that intoxicated state, obviously, um, she thought she was hot, so she starts taking off her clothes. Obviously, it makes it worse, and she doesn't know that. She doesn't know she's dying. It's dark. She doesn't know where she is. Um, and actually, apparently, she, they did find traces of a, a drug in her, but it's, it's a prescription drug, and it actually sped up her death, essentially, because it it sped up the effects of hypothermia. Even if there were, no, like, there wasn't any foul play involved in her death, that is a very painful way to go, and condolences to her family. Because, like, you know, that is just, it's like, it's like, you know, you've raised someone, you've grown up with someone, and then they die because they accidentally walk into a freezer. Yeah. You know, that is, and there's a, there's a theory saying that the hotel was actually trying to cover up her murder because they didn't want to ruin their reputation. So that's why they weren't giving the family, like, any information and anything and just ruling it as an accident rather yeah. than, like, fully searching in on it. 
Yeah. So, um, yeah. Let me just bring this back up. Um, so apparently, so a well-known um, attorney, Jeffrey Biger, actually helped the family to file a $15 million lawsuit against the hotel and others involved. So he actually displayed photos of a freezer door and, and it showed that the, the lock had a lock button from the outside and it, it suggests that someone may have well, inadvertently locked the freezer door. So someone may have accidentally closed the freezer door not and, knowing that she was inside. Yeah, exactly. Um, and obviously this is an unused area. So, like, think about it. Like, when we see a freezer door open, um, understandably, we just close it. We don't look inside. We're not going to go and, like, Sometimes I do, but it's weird. But in saying that, it was also dark. You know, like... True. It was also dark. Like, you could not probably have seen someone. And, like, they... You wouldn't think that there's someone there when it's dark. Like, why would someone be inside there when it's dark? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, this whole thing is just so suspicious. And, like, all these deaths at hotels and they don't know what happened. The yeah. Lisa Lamb one and now this one. Both at hotels. And, like, the like they don't know whether it was suicide or murder for both of the cases. Yeah. Um, um. Okay. So. Um, so the, it actually goes back to the security cameras. Apparently, even though he showed the picture, the lawyer showed the picture of the, the door, and then. Um, but apparently, they just so happened not to have the footage to back that up. Um. That makes no sense. Yeah. So, and apparently also that the door could be latched shut, but it had no lock and it had a handle on the inside, which would have allowed her to get out. So, someone must have held her in there. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, she was intoxicated, but very quickly would she have realized that um you know that she was dying she would at least like try something to get out but there were no signs of that she was just laying there there was no signs of her like struggling like no signs of a struggle of her trying to get out of the actual freezer you know what i mean like that's yeah that's so suspicious oh my god (laughs) I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep at night. I don't think so. I wouldn't. I already have the freaking ghost after me, bro. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know what would be a good time to tell? What? Our ghost stories. (gasps) Wait, we can save that for Halloween. (gasps) Oh, true, true, true. Okay. Wait, we can tell our ghost stories with the Gatorade. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. (laughs) That time we will actually have the alcohol. We promise. No, Actually, not, sorry, no, the, no. The, 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 the Gatorade. The Gatorade. The Gatorade. Real, real. Um, I hope a ghost doesn't freaking jack it again, bro. Yeah. I was really hoping to get um, Ma- 
fake, I mean, fake drunk, fake drunk. I mean, yeah, I was actually hoping to like really fill up my bladder with Gatorade and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too, bro. Me too. Yeah. Maybe I'll on the on Halloween when we film the the Gatorade episode, I'll take a shower after the episode so that no one jacks my freaking Gatorade. Yeah. Not again. <laughs> I learned from my mistakes. How, how far away is Halloween? Like four weeks. So four. It's the end of October. Yeah. Yeah. Four episodes after this one, we will make sure to have the Gatorade. Yep. I promise I won't let a ghost jack it this time. Yep. Ain't nobody stealing my Gatorade again. It's mine. Do we know what we have planned for next episode? No, we don't. We don't. <laughs> it's just okay. We always come up with something. Yeah, we always come up. It's all right. Um, we might have a new guest, but at this point, we don't even know. That's all right. Um, <laughs> the mystery guest, guys. Exactly. Okay, today has been a very scary end to the to my. Wait, birthday. let's finish off. Sophia, how has your birthday been? It has been amazing. I've got actually. Let's take Chloe. us through your birthday. Chloe has been the was the first person to give me, um, actually presents. First person to give me presents, and then I received a second gift from my parents. But maybe more to come. Who knows? But oh, that's so nice. I've had a very enjoyable day. Some good food, and a very scary end to the night because <laughs> oh my god enjoying 17 oh my god what if i accidentally one day i just show up to to work drunk and then i'd lock myself in the freezer who oh. knows um, oh my god you know i've always been scared to be locked out in um the corral area bro I, that happened to someone at our work yeah it's it's disgusting but at, at least back, you can go out the back door and then come out through the yeah, front but, you know what i mean yeah but if i was drunk like i would not it would just wouldn't go through my head you yeah know, i'd just too. sleep on the floor and then like drink some sort of toxic voice that's on the floor i'd probably like climb inside the bin and then the freaking bin man would take me out oh my <laughs> like God. stop me that's the worst way to go i know i think there's cameras in there right hopefully someone notices um i'd end up just banging on the door hopefully Someone Bro, if I didn't see you in the freaking kitchen for like more than five minutes, I'm like, what is Sophia doing? <laughs> no, honestly, like, people will be sus. Hopefully. You, you're never caught lacking, bro. Like, there's no <laughs> way you're going to be out of kitchen. <laughs> out of kitchen doing jack shit. Like, there's no way. Yeah, yeah. You're either getting something if you're not in kitchen. Yeah. yeah. And the worst part about that area, actually, is that it's very close to where um this like the syrup machines are so the syrup machines are so fucking noisy for no reason that's they so just true go off every second um so no one can hear you knocking it's okay i'll hear you very very good circumstances for murder except for the security cameras obviously so don't try anything if you want to try that bro make sure i'm on shift because i know to look for you if you don't if i don't see you in like two oh minutes. yeah for real yeah shift. don't yeah, yeah. If you guys didn't know, um, Sophia is a very hard worker and she's basically always doing her job. So if you don't see her around, there's something wrong. Like she's she's either doing her job, like she's getting stuck or she's having fun in the corral. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I would never spend more than one minute in the corral, no offense. It is smelly, it's disgusting, it's full of waste and yeah. I mean, Nothing you're not wrong. Nothing else to say about it. Nothing else to say. 
Oh my god. I cannot wait for the Halloween episode. I actually, you know. Oh my god. I can't wait for it. Maybe we should have a two part episode. <gasps> okay, that sounds good. Because, <laughs> like, I'm I, down for that. I have, we have so many stories to tell. Don't we, we? do. We have, we have so many stories to tell. And scary stories. To, yeah. It's too long to fit in a paranormal activity. Yeah. Paranormal. Oh my god. One day, actually, we need to do an episode where we record on camera when COVID dies down a little bit. Okay. We should do a meetup somewhere. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, like one of those ones on YouTube? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So you can actually get a real life reaction because sometimes um, I don't think you realize that the stuff we hear from each other, like especially today, <laughs> like there's no words that I can say except, oh my God. Like, you, you just, there's just no other way to react to it except with our expressions. When I tell you I had my jaw drop the whole time. Speechless. Mm-hmm. Speechless. Honestly. God. Yeah. But that was... That was we a should do, good yeah. episode. <laughs> we should do more true crime episodes. Um, and this time we'll have more research. Yeah. It won't <laughs> we'll be that improv. Yeah. Yeah, we'll we'll find more cases. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll, we'll bring in a special guest. Who knows? Oh my god, true. Until then. Oh my god. <laughs> Bro, that Until vibe. Then. I just declined it. Sorry, Amelia. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening. Sorry. I'm sorry, um, Amelia. I hope that oh, wasn't important. I'll answer you after I finish recording. Yeah. Anyways, um, I hope you guys are having a good night or morning or afternoon whenever you're listening to this. Yeah. And yeah, until next time, guys, we hope you enjoyed our podcast. Yeah. Bye, guys. Bye-bye.